Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Workplace flexibility is no longer a nice benefit. It's become an expectation that employees have when choosing a company to work for, stay with, and recommend. But what does flexibility really mean? Traditionally, people refer to flexibility as to where they work, but now, more than ever, it's also when we work. My guest today, Brian Elliott, the Senior VP at Slack, an executive leader of Future Forum and the author of How the Future Works, explains the importance and value of scheduled flexibility as a brand differentiator. We dive deep into this topic and essential lessons from the pandemic as you can never waste a crisis. Gotta love that phrase from his book. Brian and I also discuss ways to overcome those naysayers who don't support flex work and key steps to doing flexibility right with an engaged, customer-centric, distributed workforce. I encourage you to take notes while listening to this show as there's a lot of actionable tips, including leadership advice that you could start applying right now to advance your career and company success. I have a request please share this episode with others who can benefit and subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel. And leave me a review. Feedback is a gift. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Brian Elliott. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hi, Stacey. Great to be here with you. I am super excited. I think I told you I feel like I'm a kid in the candy store talking to you. (laughs) I really do. Well, why do I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store? Everyone's going to understand that by the time this episode is done. So to begin, please share, Brian, who are you? What do you do professionally? So I lead a group called Future Forum. Uh, Future Forum itself is a think tank backed by Slack, along with our partners at Boston Consulting Group, Miller Knoll, and Management Leadership for Tomorrow. That third group, MLT, is a nonprofit focused on advancing particularly Black, Hispanic, Latinx workers in the U.S. And we do a couple things. We do research. So we have uh, an instrument called the Future Forum Pulse. It's a survey of over 10,000 desk workers around the globe that we've been doing for a bit over two years now to help understand what's working and what's not for people and for organizations. And then we also just do a lot of executive engagement. We spend a lot of time with senior executives at a range of companies in every industry, helping them basically build a better future of work for their for their organizations, uh, both people and organizational outcomes. Hmm. Tell me your why. Why are you so passionate about how the future works? Yeah, I think it comes from like, I've been leading both, you know, I've been CEO of a startup a couple of times. I've been at Google, I've been at Slack, uh, consultant well before that. And at the end of the day, what I found over the course of 25 years leading and building teams and companies was that the old adage, culture eats strategy for breakfast is is really true. And that, you know, every situation I found myself in from a leadership perspective, it was much more important to get the human dynamics working well together, to figure out how we build a sense of belonging, that how we build not only diverse teams, but inclusive teams that are highly productive and focused on, you know, shared success. 
was what made it not only more successful, increased the odds, but um, but better for people too and more fulfilling. And so I think what's happened over the past two years is it's created this massive opportunity for all of us to really rethink how work works, to make it better for people and for organizations. And I'm just thrilled at the opportunity to try to help uh, a lot of organizations navigate that. And so my why is I really do think that we have a massive opportunity here in front of us to improve people's working lives and to improve you know, what comes out of that from a business perspective. Mm. I love that you said improving lives because that is actually the mission, the purpose of where I work by day. Fantastic. And um, we could spend the entire episode on uh, purpose, but we're not going to do that yeah. today. So one fun fact before we get really deep here. Fun fact Man. about you. I often talk about like my my co-authors, Sheila Subramanian and, and Helen Kopp and I, who wrote the, the book, How the Future Works. Uh, we'll talk about our kids and their kids are younger, you know, school age and preschool age and, and tiny kids. I've got a kid who just entered the workforce. So kid is kind of euphemism at this point in time. But it's really interesting at this point watching the world of work through through his eyes of someone who's new to it, who's figuring it out and navigating it for the first time coming out of college. And it's just, it's been a great way to sort of reintroduce myself to some of the challenges that early stage people really do face. Well, we could talk about that for another hour too, because I have the same age son who also just uh, is a year out into the work world. And what I'm learning from his perspective um, is it's fascinating. And we have to know it because we have to all work together, right? Absolutely. We're now, we're now five generations uh, of people in the workforce, which is, I think, the first time that's happened in, in at least living memory. So it's pretty, pretty incredible shifts that are going on in the world. Oh, yes. Well, you'll have to come back on the show. to We could talk about uh, Gen, Gen Z, Gen, Gen yep. everything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's get to the heart of the show, which is really about flexibility and there's a lot to that. So first of all, flexibility is a word that's been maybe overused lately. Yeah. What what does flexibility mean to you? So at the end of the day, flexibility means enabling people to do the work where and when they're at their best, but finding a way to do that that actually balances out the needs of the team with the individual. And at Future Forum, a lot of what we talk about is how do we build a future of work that is flexible inclusive and connected. And all of those three things come together. A lot of times when you hear the word flexibility, what people think about is the headline news, which is how many days a week is someone allowed to work from home or required to come into the office? Well, that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. There's an even bigger set of issues that go around schedule flexibility. How do we use our time together? How do we give people time to focus? How do we make sure that we're building connection among people that are on our teams? So at the end of the day, flexibility is really about, um, it's about the how. It's about rethinking how we come together, what the purpose is behind it, not just the the where aspects of it uh, in terms of work locations. We learned a lot from the pandemic, which you referenced before. And in the book, which I have thoroughly enjoyed, and everybody I recommend read this book, you talk about in the book um, a couple of quotes I have to pull out. One is never waste a crisis. That <laughs> is amazing. Never waste a crisis. So let's talk about 
what what did we learn? What do you believe are key takeaways from this human experience we had as it pertains to a distributed workforce and ways of working? I think I think the pandemic opened a lot of our eyes, myself included, to new and better ways of working, uh, both as teams and, and individually. I think part of this, you know, never let a never let a good crisis go to waste is, you know, it took experiential learning to kind of shift a lot of conventional wisdom out of the way. Slack itself, pre-pandemic, was a very office-centric, nine-to-five, you know, the office is where work gets done type of culture. And, you know, you had to be, to be, you know, hear, have your voice heard, you had to be in the room where it happens and all the rest of that. And we had had the debate ourselves about more distributed workforces and never put it into action because we didn't think it would be feasible. Um, we got about three months into the pandemic and that started shifting pretty quickly because it opened up our eyes to not only were people being highly productive, we were quickly getting through some of the challenges that we had always feared around innovation, our ability to be responsive to customers' you know, changing needs, our ability to bring new people into the organization and make them productive. And so if you, if you start opening up that aperture, you start quickly realizing that talent isn't just the people that live within a commutable distance to a limited set of office locations. All the people that we had wanted to recruit for years that lived in more far-flung areas that we could have recruited but didn't, um, all of a sudden became open to us. And so it opened up that aperture to um, recruit talent much more broadly and honestly, much more diverse talent as well than you're able to find in San Francisco and New York, uh, for example, in particular. So that changed one set of things. Our research really opened up our eyes to a lot of other uh, sort of interesting challenges too, which is we keep talking about location as you know the, the sort of be all end all, but schedule flexibility is even more important to people. On the location front, you know, most people do want to come together with their teams. They want to do it on the, uh, for you know, purposes of relationship building and connection as much as collaboration. And 80% of people though want that sort of location flexibility. But 94% of people want schedule flexibility. What they want is not to have their nine to five, five days a week jam full of meetings. And if we can find ways to get at that, I think that's another problem that's shown up during the pandemic uh, that honestly we now need to grapple with, which is the 30-minute the video conference has become the solution for almost every known problem. And so finding ways to put some containers around that, to find more ways to collaborate asynchronously, especially across teams, is going to be an essential ingredient coming out of this. And I, what I keep talking with organizations about is how do we keep that open mindset to things we never thought were possible, especially in meetings-driven cultures? And how do we shift that mindset into what if, um, how do we experiment and iterate with new ways of working that not only focus on location, but focus on time as well? Speaking of time, there's something that I became very mindful of the company I work for, which is people are really respectful of time zones and very conscious of like, I know don't schedule meetings at 9am my time for a a lot of people that are on the West coast and vice versa for them. It's 8pm my time. Like, so I think that's another way of working differently. Do you agree? It is. It is. And one of the things that we've done, so for example, our at Slack, our product design and engineering teams that opened up the recruiting aperture still said, we want you within a three-hour you know, time zone difference to your home team. 
so that you were never trying to stretch people across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, as an example. My own team has uh, core collaboration hours. So 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. on the West Coast um, is our way of sort of managing this. That's the time frame for one-on-ones, for team meetings, for cross-functional meetings. And that means teammates who are on the East Coast don't have to sweat that, yeah, I'm not going to put a four o'clock, you know, California meeting on the calendar that all of a sudden means people in North Carolina and New York are looking at a seven o'clock meeting invitation and going, you know, am I going to eat dinner late, miss the kids? You know, how am I going to handle this? And so there are like bigger considerations that, that go into this, but it's kind of key to start off there in terms of like, what's your team level agreement around how and when you make sure that you do have that in sync time during the day, but also give people more time for focus. Yes. And maybe this is part of culture. What I also love is that there are certain companies, you don't even have to say this. This is table stakes. This is doing the basics right. And I hope more companies understand this point. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's What you're getting at really is, what's the, what's the consideration for the individuals that make sure that they feel like this is an inclusive working environment, right? Where they can be productive but also where they feel like they belong. And if you've got a team that's geographically centered in one place, it becomes really off-putting for everybody else. We, we all had this pre-pandemic too, by the way. The, the remote offices that often felt like second-class citizens. At, at Slack, the, the phrase, uh, Slack is our headquarters, didn't come about because it was a marketing slogan. There's um, a gentleman named Mike Revort. Mike was an engineering leader in our Denver office. In fact, he was the Denver office head uh, pre-pandemic. And Mike uh, worked with me a lot pre-pandemic and made 23 trips to San Francisco in 2019. And the majority of those trips weren't because Mike felt like um, he needed to be, you know, with his team in San Francisco. They were, he, there were, they were meetings that he felt like he needed to be in the room where it happened, right? And so for Mike, uh, the pandemic opened up all of a sudden that he was another, you know, face on a Zoom screen like everybody else. It was a much more level playing field. The travel, you know, got to be a lot less. And all of a sudden, he's on this level playing field with the rest of the organization. And if you think about every organization that's got not just remote employees, but anybody who's got more than one location, it's the opportunity to help them feel like they're part of the same organization and that they belong. And that's really critical if you want to think about like longevity of employees, career opportunities and growth. I've worked in much larger organizations where if you weren't willing to move to headquarters, your career was literally limited. And that's just a, that's a shame. Uh, that's, a, that's a loss from an organizational perspective as well as a loss for those individuals. Yeah. So then here's a question. We know that radical flexibility is what people crave, what they are starting to expect when they're job hunting and when they're choosing to stay. We know that there's a lot of benefits from retention, engagement, et cetera. And yet, as you talk about in the book, there is this resistance and status quo bias. Yeah. Why? Why? So I think there's a couple of concerns that sit underneath all of this. We know our own studies show that productivity is actually higher when you give people flexibility. We had a 4% gain on location flexibility and 4% may not sound like a lot, but on a 40 hour work week, that's over an hour and a half of gained productivity. Schedule flexibility, if you can break the, the problem of nine to five meetings has even bigger impact. People have um, 
schedule flexibility have 29% higher uh, productivity than, than those that don't. And we can we kind of get why, right? If you shove my, all of the meetings onto my calendar and turn my calendar into Swiss cheese, where I can't find any two-hour blocks for like deep mm. heads-down work, the only time that happens is after dinner or after the kids are in bed, and I'm probably not at my best. So if you can give people focus time during the work week, you get these huge gains. The challenge with all that is executives, you know, they see the stats and they go, yeah, but I don't feel, feel like I have my finger on the pulse of the organization, right? And some of that comes back to monitoring and, tr- and a lack of trust. Mm. Some of that comes back to, if I can't see that you're in the office, how will I know you're really working and working hard? One of the best answers I got ever for that came from another uh, C-level executive who said, how do you know that I'm working hard when I'm in the office? You know, we need to shift the mindset away from attendance and hustle culture and showing up early and staying late as being the thing that gets rewarded to outcomes Mm -hmm. being what we're rewarding. And if we can shift that mindset and if we can have our focus be on how are teams and individuals doing against their quarterly goals, their monthly goals, their weekly goals, then we'll create much better organizational outcomes and a more level playing field. But until we get there, I think we're going to continue to have this tension between teams will literally point to and say, here's, you know, we are outcomes driven, we are driving great results. And executives who, especially given, you know, the more challenging economic times we're going through right now, are just going to feel a lot of pressure around how do I really know, how do I trust you that it's working? Trust is another topic we could talk for an hour. (laughs) Absolutely. Because that is everything that really is behind the why and Yes, I agree. There's another part of that too, which I think is showing up, which is I've had I had this conversation pre-pandemic, but I've had it a lot more recently, which is what's happening now is if you dial back to like 2008, 2009, I led a company at that point in time. And if, if t- economic times are getting tighter as an executive, you'd be walking around the hallways, listening to the buzz, tapping people on the shoulder, having a conversation to see what the vibe was like, right? What was, what was the pulse of the organization? I think part of the challenge now is executives are coming back into offices that are, that are more empty than they're comfortable with, and they're not feeling that same pulse of the organization. Challenge with that is those conversations are still happening. They're just not happening in the cubicles. They're happening in tools like Slack, right? And because the often, especially in larger companies, the executives themselves will say, look, Slack's great, but it's for my team. I'm over here in email. Reach out to me if you need me. They're not actually in where the conversation is happening. So they're not seeing the pulse that's going on in terms of the accounts people are working to close or the customer support tickets that are coming in or the, you know, the progress against the latest product uh, goals. And what you're doing is you're putting managers in this position of having to basically be human routers of information, taking here's where my team is and what they're working on. Executives mm-hmm. asking for status, literally copying, pasting information, putting it into emails which is just contributing to a, a broader degree of burnout for those, especially those frontline managers. And it's a, it's a potentially a vicious cycle. So one of the things that I try to do personally is help executives get into, whether it's lack or use something else, like get into the tools where your teams are, participate with them directly, because that's what's going to give you the visibility that you're looking for into the day-to-day pulse of the organization. We were already moving, you know, most organizations, the communication and collaboration was already moving from offices into digital technologies pre-pandemic. The last two years have just accelerated that like crazy. And it, the challenge is a lot of people who are 
somewhat older like me, uh, are the ones that actually need to adjust at this point in time and change can be hard. Yes, change management is a another topic. One thing I would say for people to also keep in mind is simplification because my colleagues all over different companies are adopting digital as a means of communication Yet it's getting confusing in that even myself, I'm like, where was that message? Was it an email? Was it in Slack? Was it in Microsoft? Was it was it a text? Right. So simplification has to be part of the equation. That's right. I agree with that. My own team does a lot around team level agreements with like from an organizational perspective, the top-down stuff doesn't work in the same way. But you do need to think about like what are our communication standards? So for my team. For example, it's it's Slack internally. We use email externally. But we also have rules that are around boundary conditions, right? So if I need mm-hmm. you to pay attention to something off hours, Stacey, how do you know uh, what all to pay attention to, right? And the answer for us is it's not Slack. It's not email. It's we will text message you. If there's something that requires your attention that's outside of business hours and the hours that you work, I'm going to send you a text message to get your attention. That way, you don't have to monitor everything else continuously throughout the course of the day. Uh, We also work with and coach a lot of organizations on how do you think about the right way to use these tools and to importantly integrate them together, which is how you get the best of breed solutions that you're looking for at the end of the day. Makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about, you have seven steps, which we don't have time for all of them. But let's talk about one in particular, which is, Proximity still matters. So explain that to me. In a digital first world and flexibility, is that a paradox? So it depends really on the organization and what you're after. At the end of the day, there really is an essential ingredient around people getting together. At Slack, the, the phrase that we started using that we've adopted is digital first doesn't mean never in person. Even if you talk to the companies that were fully remote pre-pandemic, they always got their organizations together, like teams at least once a quarter, entire company once a year, to build belonging and connectedness among people. We do the same thing. From a Slack perspective, we know that different teams have different needs. There are different team-level agreements, but they have to sit within a set of guardrails that the organization sets up that says we, everyone, every team needs to get together at least once a quarter My team does this because we're spread across North America. We'll get together for three or four days and it'll be about team building more than planning. It's much more about the meals together, the relationship development than it is about like, what are we doing next quarter? There are other organizations that will will say, look, the right balance for us is let's find the anchor day of the week because my sales team should be in a couple of days a week. And as the manager, I'm going to be there Tuesday and Wednesday. And that way, you know which days I'm in. And I'll put a couple of events on those two days. And by the way, we'll grab lunch together as a team on Wednesdays. Those are great ways to find the the right balance point because an engineering team and a content team and a sales team are going to have different rhythms. The finance team that needs to come together and close the books at the end of the quarter is very different from the engineering team that's doing a planning cycle that is very different from the sales team that wants to have a continuous rhythm going. So digital first doesn't mean never in person, means we need to find the right balance for different parts of the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think balance is really the answer for everything in life too, right? It is, I I agree. And there's also an element to this, which is the word team is actually really important. These are team level agreements. 
right? There, there's not the the organization wide top down mandates really haven't worked for anybody that I've talked with because anytime you get past 100 people, your organizational complexity is already such that different teams have different needs. At the same time, it can't be an individual free for all. That much is clear. And so the right focus point is start with, in the book, what we get into is start with principles. What's important to you as an organization? Start with guardrails. How do the executives themselves lead by example and show up? As well as what are the balance points that you want? And then enable teams, give them the tools and training so that managers can set their own team level agreements that fall within those guardrails. Hmm. There's a article, I don't remember where it came from. Maybe you, you and team wrote it, but it was about bias, proximity bias. And, yep. oh, that is a pain point for me where I used to work in the past. I'd be the only one on my team near headquarters and everyone could work remote, but those near the building had to be there. That, that doesn't yeah. feel right. Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, the, I, th I think there's a set of issues there that, that cut across a couple of different dimensions. The biggest one of which is we've seen this in our research now for the past two years, basically since the start of the pandemic. Um, historically, underrepresented groups, in particular across race and ethnicity, but also women with children, are more likely to want and need flexibility than their white, male, older, non-caregiving counterparts. Right, 59% of working moms globally want to work from the office two days a week or less. 50% of working dads want the same thing. Um, of men who have non-caregiving age children like myself, that number drops pretty quick. The risk that we run as people start coming back to the office is not only what you're getting at, which is the expectation that those are closer to the office are coming in more often, which is a little weird because it doesn't feel fair and reasonable. The other risk on proximity bias, though, is that those who do show up who are more often older, white, male, executives, non-caregivers, simply by showing up are rewarded more often with opportunities, right? With rewards, as opposed to rewarding that on the basis of outcomes. So if Jimmy shows up early and stays late and Jimmy's a great worker, therefore let's give Jimmy the next big deal, doesn't fly uh, versus Jimmy crushed his second quarter. He also crushed his first quarter. Let's, you know, reward him for that. So, Proximity bias at the risk that those are, that are closest to, you know, the executives that are showing up simply by showing up or getting rewarded more. It's a real potential risk, especially for companies that are focused on diversifying their management ranks in particular. Yeah, I am sensitive to this topic just because I remember how I felt. And yet I allowed my team to work where and when it works for them best. So... Yeah. I think just yeah, leaders it sounds like some need of that to be mindful. Fell on you. It, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we just have to be really mindful about that now and into the future. So as we are coming close to the end, a uh, couple last questions. So talking about leadership, we know that it's so important to driving the right culture and how the future works. What is the best advice you have given to others or that you received that really stands out? I'd say, I'll give you three things. First of all, focus on outcomes, not attendance. Um, moving our management philosophies and training and how we orient our, our managers to how do we drive results based on outcomes? How do we reward people based on outcomes? 
is one of the great unifiers of all of this. It's how you create a level playing field for people from all kinds of backgrounds and all types of locations with all types of working needs. And it's how you drive better results as a business. Um, Second one is how do we really think about experimentation and iteration? I think a lot of leaders think or kind of hope that three months from now, we'll have this all figured out. The world is just changing too rapidly. We're now actually in this world that is going to be continually changing. We can't assume ever that we're going to get it all figured out. And matter of fact, by being more agile, by being more experiment-oriented, by iterating our way forward, we'll learn more, more quickly, and we'll be able to adjust to what comes next in the world around us. So taking that sort of learning mindset forward is an essential ingredient. And the third, and maybe the most important, is listen to your own teams. So we've got plenty of research out there that's helpful to people. It's in the book. It's on our website, futureforum.com. But your own organization will know and will have people in it that will tell you what they need in order to be, be more successful. Mm. I'll give you an example. I, I did, I've done a lot of this myself the past few years. And my own team was kind enough to say to me, even I'm one of those people that say, hey, look, just because I send you this uh, Slack or email at nine o'clock at night, I don't need you to pay attention to it now. I'm just getting it off my plate and moving it forward. And someone was nice enough to say to me, you know, that doesn't work like at all. By putting it out there at nine o'clock at night, if I see it, I then have a choice. Do I either deal with it right now or do I dwell on it all night long and, you know, have my sleep get disrupted? Instead, use scheduled send. Use scheduled send in Slack or in email to send it out. And I, you know, well-intentioned and everything. I always thought that I was doing the right thing, but listening to my own team helped me change my own uh, way of leading and managing my organization. I do the same thing. And it's really just about perception. And it's such a small change in our behavior, yet it sends a message to them. That's a perfect example. I love Love that. that. Glad you do it. And if there was one takeaway from your book that you want people to remember, if there was just that one thing, what would it be? boy, it's a hard tie, but I'd say time matters more than place. Um, We spend so much of the energy in the press and and in conversations focused on how many days a week someone's allowed to work from home versus in the office. And I really wish more people would spend time looking at how they use their time at work. The, The burnout factor on people is rising. Even, you know, the pandemic is in theory behind us. But our latest research shows that burnout's actually on the upswing. It's in particular on the upswing for middle managers who often bear, you know, uh, individual workload as well as leading their teams. And finding time for them to do focused heads down work during the work week is one of those like, sounds easy, got to put time and energy behind it. If we could just focus more of our executive time, attention and support and getting people time back to do focused work we would lower burnout and improve organizational outcomes dramatically. Mm. That's powerful. And my final question, if you could go back to your younger 20-year-old self, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Brian? Wow, so many things. Um, So I actually learned this along the way, but um, there was an early phrase I got trained on which was, uh, I was to be seldom wrong, but never in doubt. And it's this sort of leadership philosophy that you need to be not necessarily the smartest person in the room, but you need to have conviction of your beliefs and continually stand behind them. And I think a lot of leaders are expected to have all the answers. And that really um, 
uh, was a failing for a while. Uh, as I was a startup leader in particular, I found that it wasn't working for me and had a couple of people take me aside and help me through it, which was fantastic as a learning opportunity. But, but what we need to do as leaders is think about how do we do two things at the same time? How do we paint a vision, a mission, the mountain that we're going to climb as an organization? But how do we also say at the same time to my team, I don't fully know the path that we're going to take to get up that mountain. But I believe in all of you to help us get there. And I'm going to count on all of you to help us get there. And we're going to do it together. And so you're still painting that like inspirational vision and mission and tough goals, but you're asking the team to lean into helping you figure out the path. And that is so much better in terms of getting to the right solutions than as the leader expecting that you're going to be the one that has all the answers. Mm. It also reminds me of my role as a parent too. <laughs> Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it does because we are human. And I think kids also growing up uh, start off with looking at us to have all the answers. And then they get to, get to a stage where they know more than us, they think. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then we become smart again. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we've we, we definitely have hit some similar strides. Like there were those years, Stacey, where we were the dumbest human beings on the face of the planet Earth. But, you know, they eventually come back around, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Well, a parenting show will be another time. So thank Absolutely. you so much for being on my show. I love your book. I love the future how it works. And I believe in it because we have to have the mind shift. We have to get to where it's, it's different. We're different. So thank you for spearheading Thank you, Stacey, for having me. It's been fantastic. And I will have in the show notes where to find you and your website and the books so people will be able to connect. Awesome. That's great. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, and genuinely, like if on the Slack side, I can be helpful at all too or other things, uh, do let me know. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.